You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Dave, you're back. I'm happy you're back. I, I miss am you back. when you're gone. You miss Scott Merkin, though. I know. I miss Scott Merkin. I, I was so sick. I like, know. it's whatever is going around this January is nasty. Cold, flu, coronavirus. What's the one? Wuhan? Wuhan. There's, there's the Wuhan flu. I like the Wuhan flu. It sounds close to the Wu-Tang Clan, so I've been going with the Wuhan flu. But being a musician, there's actually a, a brand of symbol called Wuhan. There, there you so, go. See? You so go. We, we, that, that's I what I'm I didn't towards. have that, by the way. I, I just had a regular <laughs> cold, but... Don't even worry. The, even it's the, coming. Even the colds that are going around are lasting for two and a half, three They weeks. shut down St. Barnabas on the south side for a day because half the school was sick with the flu or something like that. It was all over the news. Yeah, you were, you were telling it's me that off the air. crazy to me. Yeah. Yes. All right, but let's, let's move on to, from that. Let's. We don't know how much time we have on this earth. The question I wanted to ask you today, if you went out and told yourself, I want to get a new White Sox jersey, and I'm talking authentic, the big investment, the several hundred dollars, that jersey. I'm curious, who would be your top three guys you'd be thinking about putting on the jersey? Because okay. to me, it's a big investment, and it's something I want the guy to be good. I want to feel like he's going to be on the team for a while. I want to be proud wearing it. I want people to be like, yeah, when they see You see what I'm saying? Like, So we're talking about a. it's got to be a guy who's actually on the team now. Like, we're not talking about a Sox player. Of, no, I'm of not saying Pat. go out and get okay. yourself a Greg Luzinski. I'm talking about who's currently on the team. Well, I just had All to right? clarify that. All right, we don't need a Lamar Hoyt. I'm just saying what's, some, what's wrong with, currently what's, on the team. What's wrong with a Lamar Hoyt Look, jersey? I dig a Lamar Hoyt. What's wrong with my Greg Luzinski jersey? Me saying Lamar Hoyt out loud in jersey form makes me want to go get one right now. But what I'm talking about is... Like of the three, if you had, if you could pick three guys, and I will do it like this, on the current forty man roster, forty man. So if it's somebody that you think might be coming up, you can even do that as well. But who would be the three guys that right now, off the top of your head, you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, like these guys, I would go spend the money, I would buy the jersey, I would be excited about it. Um, pretty well, two of them are easy. Okay, well let's start two with the two of them. Easy are, ones. The two of them to me are obvious, being. Moncada and Abreu. Those, those to me are the two obvious. See, I'm a Moncada as well. Yeah, but Mon- I, Mon- I, Mon- I don't have Abreu in my top three. Moncada, Abreu. Um, hmm. Because everybody's got an Abreu. I know, but I, you know, and I think Moncada is like I think Moncada is an MVP candidate. I went out and made a deal in my fantasy baseball dynasty league this past weekend, and I probably gave up way too much. But I was like, you want Moncada MVP type season this year. I that's how I feel about him this year. I remember I was the guy last year that was like, he's going to do it. Remember, it was like two summers ago. Everybody's like, he sucks. He's never going to be any good. I'm like, this guy's going to come out in the second full season and be great. I said it. You can go back. You can find him in the podcast. I stand by it. It's one of my great predictions that offsets me saying that Tim Anderson stunk. <laughs> so I, I was wrong about T.A. I was right about Yohan Mankata. So I still think the sky's the limit for the guy. So he's he's my guy. I would put him on a jersey as well. That third guy is, I could easily go Keuchel. Really? You go um, with the Keuchel? I guess so. I mean, he's going to be here for a little while. Yeah, I'm. I'm I Fairly guess, good pitcher. I guess I'll do that. It's a new guy. I guess I'll do that. You're hip because you got Dallas Keuchel. 
It's I'm, not complete, gonna, I'm not going to grow a beard, but I, I'll get the jersey. It's the complete opposite of you because you have no hair anywhere no, on your body. No beard. Right, right. exactly. So I, it, it, it would be a strange look to have a Keuchel that's just bald like a hairless cat walking around in a Keuchel jersey, but, but I could see that. I, I, would, I, I could see that. Okay, so Keuchel, Abreu, and Mancada. I guess to me, uh, Yasmani and Keuchel are interchangeable. I, I'm, I'm having trouble between You're thinking like two. getting a new guy. I'm having trouble between those two. Yeah. You're thinking. You're thinking. See me. I've fallen in love with the newer guys or the guys that came up in our system. Like, give me a Jimenez. Okay. Give me a Giolito. Give me a Mancata. Okay. Like those are the ones that I'm sitting there saying that that's what I want. I would go with a Luis Robert. I would actually have it say La Pantera on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right? Like I mean, like I could like his his players weekend jersey that says La Pantera will be the hottest selling thing on the south side when it becomes available. People are already digging the nickname and the guy hasn't taken his first swing. Imagine if he comes up and he starts wrecking baseballs like he was doing it in AAA and AA and single A last year. He's a rookie of the year candidate. He's one of those guys that if you're sitting down right now, I'm sure Vegas is trying to figure out the odds for rookie of the year. He's going to be up there towards the top. And if he actually comes out and takes baseball by storm, which is a possibility in which we're all hoping for. But if it doesn't happen, I'll accept it because sometimes taking that jump from AAA to, to the majors, you need a year. But if he comes out right. and takes baseball by storm, that player's weekend jersey that says La Pantera, I don't care how ugly Major League Baseball makes that jersey. And they try every year <laughs> to make it the ugliest jersey they can produce. It will sell like hotcakes. When it comes to my jerseys, I go with the legacy players. I go with the legends. I, you know, give me. You're like a Brayu's been so good. I want to have a Brayu because he's going to be. No, there. but I'm talking if I'm going to actually go out and buy myself a jersey, like right now today. Give me a Burley or a Gian or a Frank Thomas or somebody like that. Like I'm just more interested in wearing the the legends of White Sox past. That's just kind of I'm the same way with my Blackhawks jerseys. Like I had this Blackhawks jersey that I've had unnumbered for a very long time, and it was almost kind of like I was waiting for Hosa to retire before I get his. I knew I was going to get Hosa. Why would you on just it, get it while he was playing? It doesn't make just, any sense. I don't know, man. Your there's thing is, super, like, I need to make there's sure. There's a got- superstition with me, Chris. Like, there's like if just, I get the jersey, like, something bad will happen. Uh, yeah. He'll break his leg. And kind then of. while he's in the hospital, somebody will go over to pick up his clothes and they'll find two dead hookers in the closet. Like, you're afraid of, like, the worst case scenario. Well,. <laughs> Well, he's not, he's not T.O. Fleur. Right? You're afraid I mean, something not, terrible is going to happen is what I you're just, saying. I mean, there's a superstition with me, yes, when it comes to jerseys. <laughs> when, I, when I invest that much money in a, in a jersey, because you're talking about two $300 now. Right. I'm, just, I'm, very, I'm very superstitious about it. So, right. But that's just, that's just kind of, if, if I was going to go with any jersey, I just mentioned the three. I mean, give me Burley, give me Gian, give me Thomas. Those guys. But if we're talking new players, then there you go. You got my list. You got you got Abreu, Mancata, and I'm not sure between Keichel and Grendel. Here's the thing about this year and the prediction of 85 wins versus winning all these games. You still have a very young team here. And young teams are going to go through ups and downs. And we've seen young teams have a very hard time getting out of the doldrums when they're in a down point. This is, we had talked about this with Renteria at, we mentioned it last year. Okay. How good is this guy at getting these guys 
these young players, his young team, out of a funk. That, I think, is something to really watch for this year. Well, it's going to be such a weird start to the season. If you look at the opening of the White Sox and who they're going to be playing to start things off, they're going to start at home against the Royals. And again, we'll be with our sponsors this season, Cork and Carey at the park, I believe on the Saturday of the 28th. I'll have that firmed up and perfectly set in stone for you next week. Very excited. And we'll be out there, and I'm going on the 26th of opening day, so you'll see me lingering around the, uh, the ballpark that day as well. But that opening weekend at home against the Royals, then you're going to go to the Indians, who everybody sits there and says, well, they're done, but they never actually traded Francisco Lindor yet, and it doesn't seem like it's happening. They moved on from Corey Kluber, but they have young pitching. The idea that all of a sudden they're a pushover is crazy. They're not. No, they're not. And they're, then you're going to go to Boston, and even though Boston's going to move on from Mookie Betts, they're going to be a formidable team. So there's there's nothing easy at the beginning of the season for you, is what I'm saying. Right. Okay? There's nothing easy. Then you get this crappy Mariners team at home. They should just beat the just the bejesus out of them. <laughs> It's crazy, well, though. Always, it's three-day games. They're playing like, it's like being at Wrigley for three days. Three one ten starts, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, that's the 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's weird. What Isn't are they that doing? Weird? That's not even on a weekend. What are they doing? Are they repairing the lights? It's really strange. Like, if you look at it, at least according to the schedule right now, the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th, they're playing all their games with one ten starts in April. Maybe it's, maybe it's they're thinking, well... It's April. We still might have crappy weather. We'll probably have let's play in the sun. Let's let's we'll have significantly less crappy weather during the day. Maybe it's like, well, we got Seattle in here, and they always have crappy weather, so let's make them feel at home. I, yeah, maybe I don't it's, know. Maybe it's play in the sun, so it's not so cold. I mean, I I don't know what the reason. It's such a weird thing. I but they don't make that schedule. MLB does right. Well, again, it's strange. It, it it's kind of an odd setup to when you look at their games. And then they're going to get the Twins coming into town early. And that one's got two day starts as well. It's Saturday during the day and Sunday during the Sunday's always during the day, but the Saturday right. game is a day game as well. And then you're going to get the Royals. And then you got the Rangers. Rangers are going to have a good lineup. Then you come back to the Royals. A lot of Royals. You better be ready to beat up on the Royals. In the first half. Beat yeah. up on the Royals in the first half. You're going to play the Royals nine times in the first month. <laughs> I want seven wins. I don't. Yeah. I want to sweep it two, two out of three. Yeah, you, yeah, that's what I you want. Should. I want you should. seven wins in that you one. You should have that. Right? Absolutely. I want seven wins, and then you're going to go out to the West Coast, and you're going to have to face the Angels, and you're going to get an interleague thing with the Rockies, who are just going to be a weird team this year. Their their general manager is predicting 94 wins, but it doesn't seem like they did very much in the off season. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see like what's going on. They're Plus, doing an interleague series yeah, that early I in the see year. Alloy. I want to see Aloy and Luis Robert. And Jose Abreu and uh, Encarnacion. I want to see this this powerful lineup hitting in the thin air of Colorado at the very end of the of the month. That's how your month starts off. There's a lot of teams you can roll. Like Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays are rollover team days in April. You're gonna have the Mariners on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Royals on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Royals on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So every time we sit down to record this show. We should be in the midst of rolling a team in a series. That's how I that, like. That's what I want, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you're gonna see the you're gonna see you're gonna see Chris's mojo just at an all time high because we're in the middle of beating a crappy team. Maybe and the then, schedule and then set up he comes, some socks in the base would be more positive. Like, let's put all of our crappy. 
our crappy games that we got it. We're gonna we're gonna beat teams up like right when these guys are recording, so they're more positive this year. Well, I've al- I've I've already put out the theory that news always news always breaks with this team seemingly late on a Wednesday, like right after our podcast comes out. So, so. here's the thing: I don't see any reason why you should be below 500. No, when you start the season, no. Slow start for you is if you're right around 500. If you're a game or two above it, that's that that's a slow start for your team. But it, the schedule's not too terrible. It'll just be interesting to see how things come together. You know, what are your pitchers like when they get out there? Is Lucas Giolito still Lucas Giolito? Is Ronaldo Lopez? Is Ronaldo Lopez do anything? Any better? Yes. Is, is there something that's better with him? Which again, I just keep getting the feeling this team is biding its time until Michael Kopech shows up and takes his spot in the rotation. Alex Keuchel's gonna he's gonna eat in April against some of these teams. <laughs> he's gonna eat. He's gonna look really good. And then when they get in the May, we're gonna run right into the Orioles. Thank you. That's gonna be a fun first weekend in May. Yeah, but you know what though? The Orioles always give the Sox trouble, even when the Orioles I don't are hear bad. That I want to be good now. At this point, I don't want to hear the habitually. Remember when we couldn't win a game on the West Coast? You knew you were good in 05 oh, when you against, went to the West Coast and beat up on all the against, on the Angels the whole year, like, right? Against Oakland? Yeah. It's, ridic- it's ridiculous that they can't beat Oakland. But you knew they were good in 05 when they went out there and had their way with those teams. Yeah. That's when you yeah, knew it. So I don't, that, we can't always sit there and say, well, these teams always beat us. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Okay. Okay. All right. I want to, you know, you're going to end up with the Rays after that. You're going to go to San Francisco and go to San Diego in San Diego Ugh, that's going to be just an ick week. They better be doing well when they get to that week. <laughs> yeah, they better be doing well. They get to that week, and they're not doing well. That's when the honeymoon of the beginning of the season is over. What week Th- is this now? This is going to be the 11th, 12th, and 13th, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Smack dab in the middle of when we'll be recording a sax in the basement. In April? In, in, in May. Oh, we're into May, in May. now. I'm not going to okay. go through the whole season. I promise. I just want to look at the start of everything. When you look at the start of everything, and you look at what's going on, with this team, they have a mixture of teams that are going to be good, that that are going to be very challenging series for them, where those teams are going to be favored to take two out of three from the Sox. And then the Sox are going to run into the next series, and they should take two out of three or even sweep some weak team. Right. It'll really say a lot about how Ricky Renteria gets his guys to move on from losses to pick up the wins they should be getting as they're growing and they're brand new coming out of the gate. That's, I think that's the point that I'm trying to get here by reading through the beginning of the schedule. It's really going to say a lot about Ricky. If they have a rough series, let's say, and they come into a cupcake right afterwards, Ricky's going to have to be the guy that sits there and tells them, just shake that one off, come back. Remember, Guillen used to do that all the time. Yes. You know, music was in the, in the clubhouse, win or loss, because it was a long season. Ricky's going to have to be have to be able to handle those kind of things. When they go to the on the road for three games against the Red Sox early in the season, after coming, they're going to go Indians-Red Sox at the very beginning. Right, that's tough. They're going on the road to Cleveland and Boston after starting at home for three against Kansas City. Ricky's got to make sure the team feels good when they get home against the Mariners for those three-day games. He's going to have to watch his young players who are going to have just made it into the majors and are going to be done for the day at 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and have the city waiting for them for those days. Like, there's a lot to do at the beginning of this season to make sure your team is on point. Right. I would think, he seems like he's at least a pretty smart guy. Like, in conversations, and seeing how he talks to the media, and how he seems to know about the distractions his players have, 
you would think he's going to look at that schedule and go, oh, we're going to have to find some team activities. Guys are going to sit around the night and tell ghost stories, all the rookies. I don't want you going out to the city on, you know, Tuesday the 7th. Bingo night. (laughs) We're going to have curfews or something like that. Ricky seems to me to be very good in handling the... He seems to be very good in handling the young players. I mean, I've noticed this. I... I feel pretty good that he's going to he, he's going to keep everything on the straight and narrow and he's I feel good that he's going to be able to keep these guys' confidence up if they have a bad series or a bad week or whatever. Um we talked about a lot of questionable in-game decisions that he's made, but when it comes to the psychology of his young players, I I'm thinking he's spot on with it. I think he knows what's going on, and I think he knows how to handle his young team. I mean, don't you think? Him with players doesn't concern me as much as him with in-game decisions. Right. You know? Like, if it was a video game, and you could pick your manager, and there was a list of different managers, and they would have different attributes that they were good at and bad at, he'd be ranked very high with dealing with his players. Right. His, his, His fault or his fear in a video game right now, and I'm not saying it's true, because we don't know what he's like with a good team yet. But right now, if the video game came out at this moment, his in-game decision-making would be low. The, right, the, game would, right. the game would rank other managers higher who have proven that they can make a difference in games. And I hate that adage that the manager has nothing to do with the wins and losses. Like, managers don't matter. Managers matter. Trust me. Managers, managers are going to matter when a backup catcher up on the north side proves that he wasn't as smart as the really good manager that they got rid of for no reason this year. Managers will right. matter. Managers okay? do matter. Managers coach, matter. Coach, coach I don't care how cute he is and 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 his and his cutesy little nickname. It's going to matter. Trust me. And in June, it'll matter. And coaching staffs matter. Right. We would hear how we would hear it for years about how oh you know this guy's job doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. All that is is just. All that when you hear that from people, that is people that are trying to deflect criticism from their higher ups to the players. Well, remember, that is that is what you're getting. Remember Greg Walker? Yes. And this is that's what he I'm mattered. Ta- that's he what mattered. I'm talking about. He mattered Chris. as a as a hitting coach. He mattered in 05 as their hitting coach because for some reason in 05 he had this philosophy of we're just going to wear down people, take pitches, take pitches, take pitches. And it was like weird. I always said it that after the first pitch home run by Canerco in game two of the World Series. Right. And a few other moments where guys jumped on first pitch. He slowly, not instantly, but slowly got away from the wear people down and make pitchers throw a ton of pitches. And it went away. Yes, it did. And 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 so it was the same guy. But his philosophy and what he was getting through to his team wasn't working anymore. And then people are saying, well, it doesn't matter because you see how it was good then. it was." But there was a difference in how things were going with the team. And I don't know if he would ever sit down and admit that later on now that he's more removed from it. But that was always my observation was happening. Coaches make a difference. We always heard during that era, we always heard two things. That Coop, the work that he did, always mattered. And because you saw positive results. But then the work, whatever Greg Walker was doing, oh, well, then, then you'd have, when you see all these negative results, you'd hear the, oh, well, coaches don't matter. Look, exactly. I, I don't buy it. Exactly. They, they, they when matter you, and they I'm don't saying, matter. When you hear that, 
that is just somebody, like I said, that is just somebody trying to take the heat off of their bosses, off of their higher ups. That is somebody who, you know, works for the White Sox or who is, has close ties with the White Sox and doesn't want to get blackballed. They're trying to deflect and that's, they're using the old, oh, but players got to play. Right. If coaching didn't matter, you wouldn't have had so many additions to the minor league coaching department. Correct. We've already talked to one on this show recently. Player development, changes to the hitting coaching staff up at the major league level this year. It matters. Yes. And so if for some reason he all of a sudden is making bad in-game decisions and you're going to be able to see him, it'll matter. Like I said, his attribute is dealing with his players. His, his good attributes seem to be that he keeps everybody on an even keel. He's built a really, it seems like a really good clubhouse. You go you go to Saxfest, you see how they're all interacting with each other. You see how they... Yeah, that's what I've heard. It seems like he has put together a really good clubhouse. Every single thing about Ricky Renteria's managing style has been good, but except we've yet to see in-game him make a difference. I've seen negatives in-game, but that's always been explained by... Well, we only have like four or five actual guys and on this roster, or players on the roster, level, right, exactly. and most of this team isn't here. We're trying to figure out what guys can do. Well, well this year, this year, I don't want to see what guys can do. Well, and that leads me to my next question, which is, how short is the leash? Like, oh, he'll get this, the whole year. If he'll get the whole year, oh, he'll get the whole year. Okay, he'll get the whole year. All right, he'll get the whole year. And the frightening thing is that they could end up winning seventy-five games, and they might try to explain to you why he needs another year. Okay, I, I. I that's what frightens me the most. I would think that they wouldn't do that, though. I think that the White Sox have done way too much, and the front office has done way too much, that if it isn't good, then they'll move on. If this season comes out and it's all of a sudden a disaster right. he needs, by, he, by, he by needs June. To be, he needs to be over 500. He needs to finish over 500 to keep his job. Right. He needs to. Like, I keep saying 85 wins. If a guy ends up with 83, he's not losing his job. No, okay? but if, to, you're, if, you're at 70, if you're at 75... Right. With this lineup? No, no. And that's the thing. He needs to be he needs to be over five hundred. And if he does that, he'll he'll keep his job. I think he'll actually do it. I think he'll actually be over five hundred. I think he'll keep his job. I think he'll do some things every once in a while that'll still be maddening to us. Well, all manager all managers do. But all managers will drive you nuts. Ozzy, so, used to drive. Ozzy used to drive me nuts every Sunday whenever I'd the go crazy to the Ozzie whenever I whenever I'd go to the games on Sunday because that was my only day off, and I'd come out there and I'd get all of the I'd get these weird Ozzy lineups, and of course they'd lose the crazy Ozzy lineup. We used the to Sunday call it the crazy, crazy Ozzy yeah. lineup. Yeah, yeah no, it used to drive me nuts, Chris. Like like that scene in uh, in the Hunt for Red October. Where they yell, Crazy Ivan! Crazy Ivan! Right, yeah. They, they should have found a way to doctor that and have it pop up on Sunday right before they announced the lineups. <laughs> and here are the White Sox lineups. And the scene pops up, Crazy, Crazy Ozzy! Ozzy. <laughs> like that, that would have been brilliant. You'd have like Jermaine Dye leading off. <laughs> you'd have like... You'd have like Canerico and AJ on the bench. <laughs> People paid the same amount of money for that game that they paid for the game the day before. And he just you'd have like Willie, you'd have like Willie Harris hitting cleanup. I yeah, mean, he's hitting cleanup and playing first base. Right? You're like what? <laughs> what is Ozzy doing? You think we're kidding? <laughs> Go back and look at old lineups from old five on Sundays. Were oh six, oh six was 06 when it got really bad. Oh six, he thought he was a genius, so then he right. really got crazy. And remember, we missed the postseason by just a couple games. So we laugh about it, but crazy Ozzy lineup. It was like five games. Yeah. He made a difference. You see? I mean, like he it, 
managers make a difference. Yes. Managers coaches, and their decisions coaches make a difference. And coaches, and make, coaches a difference. make a difference. Now, again, you've said this. In re- I've been thinking about this as we've been talking. Have we seen Ricky, not just obviously with the Sox, but I don't think we've seen Ricky manage a good uh, team. an actual team. No. No. We've never seen it happen, so we don't know what it is. And so I, I've tried my best to give him the benefit of the doubt because – He's always been the manager that's there while a team is building. Right. It's the first time. But I also feel like when we hear things like he wanted Mandrigal and he wanted Robert, that he was making it known, it sounds like, within the organization last year that he wanted them up. Right. When you see how he went after Lopez, not only on the mound in his last start. No, but in the press. But in the press in an interview afterwards on NBC Sports that when they were just wrapping up what was going on with the season. And the question was not a leading question. He just got asked about him, and he went on. No, he was aggravated. He was like, he was like, got to come to the ballpark, thinking about baseball. Can't be thinking about your girlfriend, your rent, your this, your car. And I'm like, man, he's really angry. He was <laughs> you know? mad. Like, he was mad. Like this young man's got to get his head on straight. Like because Ricky knows just what we just said. He knows his team didn't go through this whole thing for him to come in under 500. Or not show that he can manage. Right. And get fired. Right. Here's a guy exactly. who thought he was going to be with the Cubs on the road to winning their first World Series in a hundred and whatever years. And then he comes to the White Sox and goes through this rebuild. If you don't think Ricky Renteria every day is sitting down going, what's my lineup? Like, I think it's funny. White Sox Twitter are all trying to guess, like, what the lineup should be. Guess what, guys? Ricky's got one idea, and if it ain't working after three days, he's got a couple backups written in a notebook. Mm-hmm. Ricky Ricky wants to win. I, there is no doubt in my mind Ricky Renteria is going to do every possible thing that he can to win. So when he, so knowing that, knowing that, if they're not or he's making bad decisions, you'll know right away, does he get picked up by emotion? Does he does he have a bad philosophy? Are we going to go back to the stupid bunts? I mean, look at that lineup. If you get a pitcher that comes out and struggles, or you have a pitcher on the mound that you know is going to give up five oh, runs, man. and you're bunting in the second inning. If you got Edwin Encarnacion bunting. Right, if you're bunting in the second inning and you're losing games, right. people will start yelling about it. So he's like the biggest story to me. Everybody looks and they go, okay, well, I want to see what Robert's going to do. And when is Madrigal going to get up? And what's going on with Kopech? And you go through all these different iterations of what are the big stories for the year. Ricky Renteria is the biggest story on the White Sox this year. No matter what anybody tells you, Ricky Renteria is the biggest story on the White Sox this year. Unless there's massive regression and Yohan Moncada goes back to hitting 224. And Tim Anderson goes back to hitting 246. And and Jose Abreu breaks his leg. And Juan Encarnacion is, you know... He has a car accident. Like, I mean, if, if, if it's like the dark cloud of, of hell that comes over to White Sox and wipes out the team, that's the only way Ricky's not the number one story. Hey, listen, there are many White Sox fans who live in fear of that. So don't, okay. don't, don't, don't be, you know. I'm just saying. Don't, like be, the, give, don't be giving people anxiety. That I'm, say, I'm trying to make the point. Right. That that's the only way that Ricky Renteria is not the main story. He's not the he's the number one thing you're looking at. You're not looking at the front office anymore. Are they going to make moves? They proved you they're going to make moves. There are the doubters out there that'll sit there and say they won't make moves. And yeah, they're going to tick us off at some point when they should have spent the money on somebody and they don't do it, or they they make a trade that doesn't make any sense. They're not infallible, but they've at least shown they're willing to go do something. That storyline is not as big of a deal anymore. The storyline of the young guys coming up well, the story is not is, as big of a deal well, as Renteria. Story, the story has shifted now. The story has shifted to Ricky Renteria. 2020 is the story of Ricky Renteria. Yeah. And and I, that's how I want it to be. 
If you're a team, if you're Rick Hahn, you want it to be the story of Ricky Renteria. Because you don't want any pressure on these young players. The pressure's on him. No, and you've and if you're Rick Hahn, he wants it on him. And if you're Rick Hahn, you've done what you're supposed to do. Right. You've you've done what you're supposed to do. You've you've gone out, you've proven that you can spend the money and put a major league roster out on that field. And and you're right, you don't want to have undue pressure on the kids. So yeah, it is. And, it's the, about uh, and the subset story to the Ricky Renteria story is the Don Cooper story. There's a because, Don, there's a Don Cooper story. No, I think that the, because here's the thing, Ricky was able to change his hitting coach. Okay. Oh yeah. But we've but always known still... that Coop is always there, and right. I'm not saying that Coop is the wrong guy. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Coop is the wrong guy, but what will happen if there's pitching woes? If they're having problems and it's June, and Ricky knows his job's on the line, what happens? That's the secondary story that I'm watching this year. Will? I don't want these things to happen. Like, I want it to be Ricky Renter he comes out. I want him to go gangbusters. I want him to be 20 games over 500 at the All-Star break. Please, don't get me wrong. I want all these things. But as you look at what the storylines are, Ricky's the number one story, and then this little subset story, if things go wrong, is does anything get blamed on the pitching? On the pitching. And does Ricky start to blame it on the pitching because... He didn't pick the pitching coach. Well, then you know what it's going to be. And, he's, and he knows he's going to be on the way out the door, so he has to save himself. Then, then you know what it's going to be. It's going to be this same old story where we heap all this praise on Cooper when he does good things, but then when the pitching staff is bad, we don't hold Cooper accountable. It's it, Then you get the whole line of, oh, well, you know, players got to play, coaches don't matter, blah, 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 blah. Are we going to see that again? Well, he did make some admissions at, at SoxFest that he was – He's he's looking at numbers now, and he's paying more attention to those things. And it seems like they're trying to surround him with other people that'll walk up to him and say, "Hey, these are these are important things you need to know." And maybe he's coming around though. Are because you talking the same metrics? Yeah, because here's the thing: Coop also has to realize that it can only go on so far. The, there is way too much talent now standing out there pitching. Right. And there's a veteran. I'm sorry. There's two veterans. There's Gio Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel. Correct. That if for some reason the pitching coach is the problem or they think something's weird's going on, you watch. It'll be out in the press. Mm, interesting. So I mean, it, it, this is a very – there's not a bunch of kids out there anymore. I guess that's the underlying thing. There are kids. There are young kids out there. But there's a real team now that has formed, and you have some real players. I mean, Grandal is a real veteran, all-star, high-end player. Who Keiko, knows pitching. Right. Who knows Keiko pitching. He's a high-end veteran pitcher. Gonzalez is in his mid-30s and has had success. So, So at this point – even though there's kids around, trust me, if there's something not right in the coaching levels at some point, it will come out this year. So I think the most fascinating story is going to be, it's all Ricky. If everything goes well, it's all Ricky. If things go bad, where does it trickle off to? And that's really the story of the 2020 season. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.